1: And good Friday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner and you're listening to the Friday edition of the Grind Eight. Boone. We've uh, we've got a way of making Fridays a little special and this one's no different. You know that man, it's uh we've we've got a treat right here.
2: Yeah, we're making history today. Uh A local who's accomplished some things that no one else has, it turns out.
1: Yeah, and what we're talking about is we have David and Derek Evans in studio uh, to talk a little bit about uh, Derek's tenure through Alcoa, how he made it back to Carson Newman College, and then ultimately uh, what he's doing today. But Derek, welcome in. Welcome in Mr. David Evans. And uh, and Boone, I'll be honest, between offensive linemen, I'm glad this glass is in between us. <laughs> hey guys, how are you doing?
3: Doing good. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thanks, uh, Wayne. Booner, appreciate it. Glad to be here.
1: Hey man, it's uh, we had David a few weeks ago, and, and Tony Iruly was in here, and of course we they, they compared mustaches, and it was a, it was a really good morning. But, but nonetheless, uh, brought Derek in this morning because, you know, just recently uh, named to the, the Carson Newman All-Decade team uh, of the 2010s, I guess is what you would call it. And, uh, and that's just got to be a great honor for, for post your college career to just get that nod because, again, you, you talk about it in the Daily Times article, but there was a tenure of offensive linemen there, and for you to be that guy, that's a, that's a big honor.
0: I mean, uh, like I said before in, in the article I did, but uh, I played with a lot of great players. I mean, uh, Robbie Ignani, my starting guard next to me for uh, three years, was an incredible player. One of the best uh, guards I ever played next to. So just be considered top of the uh, crew with him. It's just a great honor.
1: And, and the way we're going to do it, Derek, is we're going to we're gonna, gonna kind of mow through the, the whole deal. We'll start it out cold. Because, again, you, you know, we talked off the air a little bit you've had the opportunity to play for probably two of the, the more successful coaches in the state of Tennessee, and Ken Sparks, and maybe Ken Sparks in the nation, but Ken Sparks and, and Gary Rankins, and, and that dynamic had to shape some of that success that led through your, your career, I would think.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Coach Coach Rankin early on in high school, um, he's definitely a polar opposite compared to the, uh, Coach Sparks. He's a uh, hard-nosed country um, will get after you is, is always uh, one to let you know if you mess something up. Uh, coach Sparks, in his later years, uh, was a lot more uh, family friendly, a lot more uh, centered on who you are as a person, who you are as a man, and uh, try to get you ready for uh, a better part of your life.
2: Derek, uh, we take a big interest in Coach Rankin round here. What uh, what he, what can you tell us as far as some interesting times in the game and the sideline? Uh, we were over there uh, in my my years. We just could not quite get him to the state championship game every year like he has. What really separates him from the rest, in your opinion, Derek?
0: His very his ability to surround himself with uh, incredible uh, supporting coaches. Um, currently, right now, the offensive line coach is uh, Goose, who was there the um, later of three years uh, he was a head offensive line coach my senior year um, but he, he's always got himself surrounded by a lot of great people um, Coach Nix uh, Coach Gamble a lot of guys. Well, those guys have been around for years and years and years decades almost so he's always been able to surround himself with a great supporting coach that so he would not have to worry about uh, what are they doing he doesn't have to micromanage them every single day he knows that they're doing what they're supposed to do and getting the players ready
1: and hey Derek, you came up, uh, you know, playing playing little league and what have you. And your dad was a, was a great offensive mm-hmm. lineman. Yep. Uh, what what impact did that have? And, and I guess wh- how did how were you prepared going to high school, knowing that knowing that your dad had a, had a pretty good shadow sitting here, Maryville College days, yep. and, and what he had done at, at his high school days. Uh, did that get you? Did that put a little extra fire in there to get you ready?
0: I mean, from the time I was, um, I mean, six early on memories. I remember watching Brock. Uh, Dad coached my over to Brock at at, uh, the Maryville Bears and uh, watching a lot of the guys he's played with, incredible players, and uh, just wanting to be out there. I couldn't wait to play. Um, It was something that's ingrained in me early on. I mean, football was always there. We went to the Maryville College games, um, talking to Dad about football, looking at the pictures, looking at his rings, things like that. And By the time I turned eight, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. From the time I was eight on, I I knew I wanted to to play college football, and it was always a, a major dream of mine.
1: Now, there was a dynamic in the house, right? Like, you went to Alcoa, but yeah. everybody didn't go to Alcoa, mm-hmm. right?
0: No, uh, Brock. Brock went to the Maryville, the oldest one. And um, when I came up, uh, started a different training, went to Alcoa, and the bro- the, the two younger, Jake and Cade, followed by me. And uh, for a long time, it's been fine. Brock was very supportive of me when I played, uh, just like any older brother would be, and he was supportive of Cade uh, and Jake. However... That next year, <laughs> when uh, K. to finally gone, it got pretty heated. Got it, it was <laughs> the first actual game we were actually, you know, picking sides, and it uh, our, our group chat got real heated that, that week. Gloves come off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's funny. You know,
1: I don't know how much it's been told, but Boone, you know, he coached at Alcoa and I do the marvelous games. So every now and again it gets heated in here too. But it, we we just turn the thermostat down and we're good. We're good. But anyway, no. But uh but so you were you were there with Coach Rankin and you were mm-hmm. you said you you lost two games the entirety of your high school career. Mm-hmm. Uh do do you cuz it, it seems like when you talk to people that's what they remember. Do you remember yeah. those two games?
0: Uh yes. I mean, <laughs> uh two of the biggest games I I was ever involved in. Of course, my freshman year, I wasn't directly playing, but uh Randall Cobb, that was his senior year. Oh, wow, Uh, So it was at Alcoa. Uh, I remember watching Randall Cobb playing. And um, at that point, I mean, Randall was one of our single best players, obviously. And uh, a lot of times it seemed like our our entire uh, playbook was just get him the ball and let him go. (laughs) And then uh, my sophomore year is the first year starting against Maryville at Maryville. And arguably, to me, I played in four state championship games. I played a lot of – Pretty serious um, playoff games in college. But that Mariville game, the Mariville games are always to me the most serious uh, moments of my life, almost. I mean, just the feeling that hits your gut when you're walking out there and you have the entirety of Marble's, uh student section, which feels like they're an army deep of a couple thousand people right. yelling. I mean, it's a different kind of world.
1: Well, and, and I tell you, I, I'm I'm not a Blunt County native. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm becoming, I'm yeah. becoming there. But you know, I, I've been part of four Mariville Alcoa games, two as spectators and two as as radio personnel. So uh, two as the spectator, just completely. I, I start at Denso, and some guys are like, "Hey, you are to come to Mariville Alcoa game." Well, where I'm from, a big game, the stadium's full. Yeah, and that's it. Like the track might be walking, mm-hmm. but that's about it. So I go. And I'm like, game starts at 7.30. I'll just roll up mm-hmm. about 10 after.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. I
1: didn't see the first play until second quarter. I yeah, mean, I yeah. was just trying to get in. It was just Absolutely. bad. News. So then the, the next year I understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. and you know, But, again, I'm still razzing because I don't really – I'm not affiliated, right? So I'm like – to this guy, I'm like, well, he – Maryville, he said this. And then Alcoa said it. And then – I, that's not funny to them. No. <laughs> that's not real <laughs> funny to them. But uh, but so anyway, th- I had a great time the second year and then got an opportunity to help with Alcoa. I was actually mm-hmm. – I did the board work for Alcoa. What, listened from right here uh, all 15 of the 2018 uh, state championship team. And, again, it was like – with with Marty and Heath and those guys it was like I I was there but I wasn't there I was like you remember when that happened and I was like I wasn't there but I heard it and so it was it was a great side of that rivalry and then last year had the opportunity to go to Alcoa first time uh to go to one at Alcoa and uh and had the opportunity to see that firsthand and it just it's a dynamic that you, you you're right it's you can go to a lot of things. And, and, again, season ticket holder at Tennessee, been to a lot of Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida. But there's just a different neighbor don't like me kind of situation going on that <laughs> very week. Now, the other 14 weeks of the season, I feel mm-hmm. like it's they, they, they kind of keep each other up. But mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a dynamic. I'll, I'll give you that. It, yeah, absolutely.
3: Certainly do.
0: It's a game that's uh, more serious to you on a personal level. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know when you leave that field – Whoever wins, walks the county. I mean, they, they run the county for a little bit, and it's it means more to you than any other game you play, hands down. I mean, you're playing for your school, your community, um, you're you're representing Alcoa or Maryville who, or uh, you know, or, or their coaching staff, your players, your your friends, your for me, my siblings. Um, so it's one of those games that whereas when you go to state. By the time Maryville and Alcoa get to state 99% of the time, we're already to the point where we're going to win. I mean, there's no if ands, or, or buts about it. When we walk on that field, we're going to win this game. I mean, it's decided. Well, Whereas the Alcoa-Maryville game is always every year you never really know.
1: Well, and I've, you know, I've often said, you know, I think the iron sharpens iron dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Maryville-Alcoa playing each other makes them better in their own conference. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether that's, you know, Maryville in 6A, Alcoa in 3, it, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. It doesn't matter because the just the the horses hitting each other. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a heavyweight fight this past year, and as it is every year. And and I think you br- you hit on a really good dynamic. You're representing a lot of heritage, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of legacy because both these programs are just successful to the nth degree. So you're just right there at that cusp every time you you hit the field. So yes. uh, again, that's those are great memories. But but again, don't want to focus on just those two games that. Yep. The loss, but what about those four state championships?
0: Uh, I got to be involved in a lot of different games. Uh, we played, I think, Good Pasture twice, and uh, God, what was the other school? Milan twice. And uh, both years, uh, Milan to me was one of the hardest games I'd ever played, hands down. Oh, wow. In high school. Uh, they were a very hard nosed, very well coached team, very similar to us, uh, very athletic. Very fast, had a rich history in Middle Tennessee of being very well coached, very successful team. And um, both years we played them my junior and senior year. They are pretty hard-nosed. Um, we played a good pass my freshman year and senior year. In both those games we pretty much rolled. Well, awesome. both those games we we basically ran both those. But Milan gave us a good fight both the years.
1: I, I swear I only have one memory of Mylon, Tennessee. And that's uh, – is Jeff Smith – is that where Jeff Smith was from? Yes. Tennessee? Because I remember John Ward from
0: Milan,
1: <laughs> Tennessee. That, that's the only memory I <laughs> yeah, got. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Jeff was from there. Jeff Smith, yeah. I, I remember watching Derek play in a state championship game there one year, and they had a linebacker, and I wish I could recall his name. He play, He went uh, D1 to Kentucky and uh, ended up going pro after Kentucky. Oh, wow. And that was one of the players that uh, probably gave Derek uh, one of the toughest times he ever had in a high school mm-hmm. game. Uh uh, Derek did well against him, but this kid was outstanding, and he went on to, to go all the way to the show. So that that's the type of talent you were playing against at Milan.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Derek, some of my fondest memories are uh, you guys just pounding the rock. I watched yeah. one game. I can't remember who it was, but I swear you guys ran it 16 downs in a yeah. row. <laughs> um, remind the listeners of uh, some of the great teammates you were playing with when you were uh, – uh, we had all state.
0: Um, Austin Talent uh, was quarterback. Uh, J.T. Rankin, my best friend, who played center. Coach Rankin's son, uh, Taron Tyson, uh, Daryl Warren. Um, let's see who else. Uh, at one point, T. Rob, uh, who played Kentucky. A lot of people know T. Rob.
2: Tied in, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, Robinson. Robinson.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, Nathaniel Robinson. Um, we we had a lot of a lot of great players. Um, A lot of guys who I look fondly back on playing with, a lot of times I think about high school very fondly because uh, there's a lot of guys who know more like they're not going to go play in college, and they're playing just because they like playing football, whereas a lot of times there's some guys who get into college and and think college is a stepping stone to go to the NFL, and they they treat it more like it's uh, a business or just like a job every day, whereas high school felt like it was more of uh, something fun and more of just a general game. So
1: absolutely. Hey, Derek, talk about, you know, those, those latter years when you started getting those the interest from from the college ranks. Mm-hmm. You talk about that. What did that look like? And, and and again, get talk about some of those those offers that were in, intriguing, some things that happened. And then where we ended up.
0: Uh, well, early on, I got I started getting looked at by uh, VMI. Um, that was the first Division One double A school that really started looking at me. Of course, uh, before that, uh, I went to a lot of different camps. Uh, Dad took me started taming camps. What my sophomore year, uh, my, for, my sophomore summer going to, like um, D1 camps, blue chip camps, just getting my name out there. Just going looking at and uh, that's
1: like, that's a big dynamic, right? The, the go, I, yeah. Going to the camps gets mm-hmm. that name out there, mm-hmm. right?
0: So early on, there was a lot of Division two schools, obviously, and then uh, and, and Division three schools. And as I got older and, and started coming up through high school. Um, I started getting looked at, my, my first Division of W school was VMI, and, uh, which I loved. I went up there and visited and, and really liked the school and um, actually committed to them pretty early on. And, uh, and then as that year progressed, I think it was before my junior year when I committed to them, um, I started getting more and more uh, looks a lot of times from military schools, Army, Navy, Air Force, uh, Wofford, Furman, oh, wow. um, and then eventually Appalachian State. And uh, Army actually came to school and offered me and Aaron Tyson both. Um, just say, pull us into a room randomly. And we were in workouts, pull us into a room. And one of the representatives were like, hey, we like you guys. Here's an offer. And we, we gave both offers that day. And um, Appalachian State was actually just kind of funny. And coach McLean, uh, office line coach at uh, Appalachian at the time, uh, came in randomly into town because he just knew of Alcoa and Maryville. He would heard of it. Uh, he went to Maryville first, talked to George Quarles, and George, he asked George, he needed offensive lineman. And George said, if you're looking for an offensive lineman, go to Alcoa. And so <laughs> McClain awesome. came to Alcoa while we were going through a walkthrough. What a compliment, Derek. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's something I didn't find out until way later on. And uh, that's why still to this day, I really appreciate George. And, you know, we are obviously play for different sides, and uh, he's still a great man, but uh, – I, we got done with walkthroughs and I got pulled into an office randomly and apparently McLean had come in and they popped in one of my game films. He watched the game film and talked to me there and basically offered me on the spot too. So oh, wow. mm-hmm. I went to, uh, a recruitment game up at app and just instantly fell in love with the environment and the people and the, I think they had 32,000 fans there that day. Uh, the mountains was beautiful. I mean, the entire environment was great. And, for me, it was just something I thought uh, I was really looking forward to and I really love. And so that day I also uh, – I decommitted from VMI and uh, committed that punch State.
1: David, what, what was the dynamic? Like, I know as a dad you were probably pins and needles. There, you know, when people would come see him or you'd take him to the camp. Because, again, you, you know, you're pro-Derek, right? You, you're about – you know, he's really good. What, what – uh, how did you, I guess, mow through that dynamic to, to be dad – to be to know what good is, but then also let Derek have his own moments.
3: You know that's a that's a a fine line. Uh, you know you can uh, run in that line and not cross into either side is very very difficult. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have a tremendous amount of bias about your son, but at the same time, you've got to look at him objectively and not put him in positions to where you know or force him into positions or opportunities that may be. Uh, you know, a little beyond his talent level. Uh, fortunately with Derek, you know, starting off by taking him to these camps, uh, they were great opportunities for him to see D1, future D1 commits, guys that were 6'5", 6'4", 290, 300 pounds. And in a lot of the offensive line drills in those camps, they're done with no pads, no, no helmet, no nothing. And it is it is a war. And Derek came out of a bunch of those with a bloody nose, <laughs> uh and but yeah. but you know what what your you know my son learned there Derek learned is that he can handle these guys he can play and he's not six foot four he's six one but he can get under him and he can hold them and lock him and that is what I think begins the pattern of developing that tremendous confidence mm. uh to play and, and not fear are not worry about can I do this, and I think that that was one of the most important steps that we did. And I'm going to tell you the camps were hard. They're all day long. It's 95 degrees. You know, you're in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You're at a D1 blue chip camp, and it's just absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. And Derek made it through all of that. Did did well. He made the uh, he made the top 100 uh, in the in the South oh wow Uh, at one point and uh you know he that that going on a resume when coaches are looking at it uh, gets you noticed and and when that happened that's when he started getting a review from a lot of different teams and uh you know but once that started then you know as far as i was concerned I fell back to the position of just watching my son play mm. because he didn't need any more help from me or guidance. He knew what he had to do, and he did it all. And, and you know, I, one of the things I tried not to be was the dad in the st- stands that was down on the fence trying to talk to his son, you know, yell at his son, uh, and, and, and et cetera. And that is just sit in the stands and let your son play. Mm. And, uh, you know, that, that is absolutely crucial in my opinion. I've seen some parents that just can't quite do that right and their kids spend more time looking up in the stands at their parents to see if they're okay or, or if, uh, derek didn't do that i didn't do it and you uh, know and i'm very very happy that that we did it that way and i did it with all four of my sons sit in the stands and keep your mouth shut and cheer when the good things happen
1: absolutely boone he said confidence we've heard that before coach hersburn said that's a that's key to success i think he's got something there
2: yeah, and it, it took a lot of restraint when, uh, when your kid comes back with a bloody nose and mm-hmm. you just encourage him. And uh, Derek, I, I see from these conversations, you just kind of built it and built it. And I think I read coming out, you were a two star, mm-hmm. but you made some of these people that uh, put those two stars on you think twice. Yeah, and yeah. I love that uh, motivation you had.
0: Well, the the weird part about going to camps is that you go uh, a lot of times your competition, or early on camps. Actually, the the top one hundred camp you mentioned, I, Dad put me in as a defensive lineman at first, uh, which I hadn't played defense line at that point in in years. Um, but <laughs> curveball, yeah. <laughs> you, you go against a, a lot of uh, guys who are getting offered by like Tennessee and and uh, a lot of other big yeah, big schools. Tennessee, Clemson, Alabama. Um, and the funny thing is a lot of times he, you you see other competition from other offensive linemen, which you're not directly competing against them like you would when you go actually onto a, a team and you're trying to fight for a spot, but you are competing to try to show out against them. And a lot of times you'll see guys that have offers from these big schools and have incredibly good numbers on the stats, like 40-yard dashes and the times and the – the the reps and stuff like that and you actually do the one-on-ones where it comes down to you know actually implementing or or using your spring strength and showing you can actually take that and use that on the football field and a lot of those guys struggled a lot of times Um however their sheer size and their ability a lot of times kind of outweigh that um, and and in many cases they were able to squash smaller guys. But there was a lot of guys that I uh, competed against that were massive defensive linemen They were getting recruited by like Alabama that were absolute hosses that were hard to deal with a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So.
1: so it helped develop you as a player yeah. as well. I mean, it made it – a lot of times they talk about, you know, especially talking with Tony, your dad, and then Boone – is that that hard practice or those hard camps really set you up for for a time where Friday nights kind of become the play? I mean, you really you, you're set yourself up to be a little faster in those moments because you've prepared so well. But uh, but you had a great time in in high school. You were a all state honoree your senior year. You were also a, a finalist for Mr. Football mm-hmm. AA, and you also. Uh, paved the way. Part of an offensive line that averaged forty-six point one points a game and thirteen point nine yards per rush. That's a that's wow. a, that's an yeah. average you don't hear very much. That's ex- that's exceptional. Yep. But, uh, but, Boone, uh, I think we got to get to a quick break. These sponsors need some talk time. But uh, let's get to our first break, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Appy State to Carson Newman transition. We're going to talk about how you get there, how Coach Iruly really was a big part of that transition, and then how the success just continued to build in Jefferson City. We'll talk about it all on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. or go to DonnaCry.com. M-I-G is an equal housing lender.
4: 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Marable High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve.
1: Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time.
3: In response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak, and in what the Blunt Partnership sees is the best interest of its visitors, employees, and community, Taste of Blunt. Slated for September 10th in Maryville, the Townsend Fall Festival scheduled for September 25th and 26th at the Townsend Visitor Center, and the Best of Blunt Awards, booked in October, are canceled. The events will not be rescheduled in 2020. These fall events are cherished productions that the community looks forward to annually, but the current environment is not conducive to holding large events where physical distancing is difficult.
1: on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com.
4: 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Marable High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100 or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve.
0: We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
1: And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, alongside Booner and David and Derek Evans in studio talking about Derek's path. At this point, the path to uh, to Appy State and, and Derek. We talk about it a little bit. You'd committed to Appy State, fell in love with Boone uh, again. That that campus, that that dynamic, that that area is just something that's. I don't know, it's just yeah. its own little thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so what happened? How did that dynamic shift and, and change and come to, to Carson Newman?
0: So when I uh, I first came up there, obviously we were all the freshmen red shirted and uh, Appena being a major uh, learning curve for me early on. I mean, just like most colleges for a lot of a lot of young guys coming in, um, I'm here coming in there and thinking I was gonna just, you know, show them what I had, just run people like I did in high school. and. I remember my first my first day in camp, we came in and I came to take on a middle linebacker like I always did in high school, and I was like, I'm going to just show my guy, I'm going to pancake this guy. Little did I know, that linebacker was a two-time All-American. Oh, and uh, changes I, came, things. I came up through the hole and came to hit him, and I thought I was just going to run him over, and he caught me like I was a small child and perceived the... <laughs> WWE style slam me on top of my head, <laughs> and I woke up to Coach McLean telling me, to "Get up and welcome to college football." Nice. So I mean, I play against a lot of a lot of great players, a lot of guys that I didn't know players could be that fast. Uh, my first one on ones in college, I played against some of these juniors and seniors that were basically at that point grown men compared to me, and I would take my first couple of steps and expect them to be here, and they would cross me over and come back over, and before I knew it, they were completely behind me. I was on my butt. Right. I mean, but but I think that's part of college period though for a lot of guys. Absolutely,
2: that turn that turnkey. But but go ahead, Boone. Did he have a mean forearm like uh, your dad? will know about this guy, Jack Lambert. <laughs> <laughs>
3: my hero. <laughs> we
0: uh <laughs> we had a lot of guys. I mean, funny enough, uh, to my major, welcome to college football moment. Both those guys are great guys. Very nice guys. My the um, I actually had a defensive tackle. We called uh, Big Dan. And Big Dan was a very calm, friendly guy in practice. And um, a lot of times, uh, being shirt, he'd run the scout team early on. And I would, uh, we'd be doing like triple option, which fit what I did in high school a lot, obviously. And I would down block him all the time. And he'd let you kind of do your thing because uh, he was just chilling in practice. And he'd get yelled at. i gonna mean, never forget one day he got yelled at. They had a bad game the, the week prior, and he was mad. And uh, I came to down block him, thought I was going to do my thing. And he caught me. I'll never forget that it came down. He just turned at me, caught me, and then flipped me uh like like a like a small child again. And I was like, Okay, well, maybe uh maybe you let me, you know, work him over a little bit. Maybe uh, <laughs> I wasn't as good as I was <laughs> I thought. Uh oh, but he was an incredible player as well and was uh, also an all American. So uh just playing against that that caliber of player kinda adjusts your your mindset and you have to, you realize, well, I'm not as good as I thought I was. You get humbled and uh, you, you realize I'm have to really work in the weight room and work on the field and work on my footwork and my handwork and uh, my footwork and and work on your you know your mental capacity to understand how these defense linemen think and work uh, you know the really succeeding college.
1: And, and there's also another dynamic when you get to college because one the practice schedule goes way up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And but you also got to do your classroom work. You carried a 3.46 GPA mm-hmm. while you were in Boone. That's that's impressive. Yeah. That's very um,
0: impressive. Luckily for me. Um, being redshirted that first year, you, you practice uh, roughly four days a week and you got that extra day the, to get all your homework done that Friday and then you go to the game Saturday. Um, the real challenge comes in whenever you start playing full time. And uh, football goes from being something you do in the afternoons to being something that starts to take over life. We start <laughs> watching film. It's what you think about at night. You sit there and you're watching Netflix on TV, but you're really thinking about, okay, that nose guard from uh, – uh, from Lenore Ryan, usually goes left here, but he changed his stance this year. So he might be going, he, he might be trying to trick me over here because he knows how I do my steps. And, you know, it's something you think about 24 7 becomes something that takes over your life almost.
1: So so it's not really Netflix and chill at that point. No, right? no. <laughs> <Like it's> just, <laughs> you should, at
0: that point, you just have something on TV while your mind is just completely gone into a different uh, football mindset.
2: Right. So, so Derek, uh, didn't pan out in. I noticed when I was kind of reading up on you, a really, really big point in your life was a phone call to Tony Iruly. Mm-hmm. You want to take us through that? So Tell us about that, that whole dynamic, how that shift happened.
0: So, um, basically, Coach McClain, a uh, great guy, he, he believed in me a lot, brought me up to app, and, and uh, I knew early on, I kind of had some thoughts about, well, they're, they're a spread school, and um, every other school that ever looked at me was all option. All the military schools were option schools. Wofford was an option school. All were kind of more power oriented. All the offense were all around my size. But I, I thought, you know, McLean really, really believed in me and I liked this school, so I'm going to see how it goes. And After my red shirt freshman year, he was gone. They fired him, they fired a, a good number of coaches and brought in complete new ones.
1: And that, that was kind of abnormal for App, right? Because where they were,
3: they mm-hmm. turned coaches because they were successful mm-hmm. program. So this was a little bit of a different mm-hmm. dynamic. Well, you had, uh, you know, just step in here a second. She had a dynamic going on at Appalachia State at the time. Appalachia State had been an absolute FCS power. Mm-hmm. I mean, They had
1: just made the transition year, right? Well,
3: no, they hadn't made transition oh. yet. When Derek got there, they were still FCS coached by Jerry Moore, one of the finest men you'll ever meet in your life. Mm it's like you're sending your son off to go play for your grandfather. Oh, I wow. mean, he's that kind of man. He came to our house, sat in our house, eat dinner with us. There was no no uh, hesitation in my mind. This is I'm I'm good with him going there. But when there was a dynamic there, much like you see at a lot of schools, hey, we're great. We we've, we've dominated in FCS and now it's time to go to BCS. Hmm. And there was, a, there was a tremendous push from the supporters, the donors, et cetera. And that happened. Uh, you know, after Derek's freshman year, they started making the transition to BCS. They ended up terminating uh, Jerry Moore. Uh, Guy had been there coaching through all the championships for, you know, 17, 18 seasons. And they decided and they brought in a new coaching staff. And they began the process of transitioning from that option offense to, you know, the spread. And, and in that situation, that's where you start getting rid of your, your super quick, powerful offensive linemen. They're generally a little smaller because they can move. And you start going to what I call the phone boost: Six-foot-five, mm. six-foot-four, 330, 320. You know, kind of like UT. You can't play in, in BCS unless you have lines that size.
1: Yeah, like Boone in his day. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, through all of that, and I saw it coming. I mean, you could see it. And in, in Derrick's uh, – First year after redshirt, his redshirt freshman year, he was starting at center in practice uh, the first two weeks and doing a good job. And then one day in practice, he got one of the worst concussions I think I've ever seen. And uh, Derek went from like 290 down to like 250, 255. Mm -hmm. And and it took over six weeks for him to – finally passed concussion protocol where he could be allowed back on the field and you can imagine six weeks in a division one program uh, he lost you know 40 something pounds and there's just no way that he can compete and that's that stage right there is when we all knew it was time that uh, to to do something different
2: hey david uh one of our all-time favorites dale jones of course the linebacker from UT. Mm-hmm. Was he over there when uh, you and Derek went over there? <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: he was. Yes, he was. He was. He, he's an intense guy. <laughs> he
0: uh, he actually ran. Obviously, he ran the defense, but he also was in charge, my regular freshman year, of the uh, the entire little freshman crew that ran his, his uh, scout squad almost. So, uh, he did not shy away from uh, being hard on us, obviously, because uh, we were – Obviously, in college, you know, offense and defense, you work together, but you don't really don't get along. So, when he has control of young offensive linemen, he's going to let you know when he mess up. Oh, in India. But, I mean, he, he, was a, he was a good guy, and he had lots of good stories, obviously, from his time at, at UT. Um, but Coach Ledford got hired in place of McLean. And Leford had come from uh, I can't remember what school he came from, but he had a big, he had a long history playing in the NFL as well, and was uh, pretty well known and uh, was a good guy. Uh, he actually coached at NC State after he left uh, left App State, um, but he sat me down one day um, and he brought me to his office, and just said, "Hey, he's like, uh, I think you're a good player, but you're just not big enough to play here." So I, I respect him a lot for telling me that, and I was like, "Well, I appreciate you." let me know that so i didn't waste the next two or three years oh, here, obviously or uh of my time and and um trying to go out there and play if you didn't think i was gonna be able to play there so at that point i started looking and i looked at a lot of different schools uh lenore ryan at that point which i just kind of heard of i didn't really know exactly who they were but i just kind of heard of them and then um i called uh coach i and i uh, started talking because his dad knew him for years i've known him since i was Little, little. I mean, we, we. I grew up going to his house all different times for Super Bowls and things like that. So uh, I looked for him for advice and, and just what he thought. And it just so happened that he was at Carson Newman, and Carson Newman ran offense that fit me great. And uh, he honestly thought that would be a great fit for me, and it just uh, worked out.
2: Derek, was he working with the offensive linemen or linebackers?
0: At that time, he was working with the defensive linemen. Oh, okay. During my time. Uh, he transitioned to linebackers uh, after the first couple of years. He transitioned. I think my junior and senior, he switched to uh, the linebackers.
1: Yeah, on the on the article from the Daily Times, he talks about like perfect fit. Like he mm-hmm. he just knew at at that point at that time the the opportunity to have have a Derek Evans at Carson Newman was a big was a big achievement. And, and like I said, you were ready to go. Again, you know, I, I think you, you hit it nail on the head. I think the experience of being at App State probably set you up really well mm-hmm. uh, to come to Carson Newman, but at the same time, you're ready to go. You're ready to show out a little bit, and you get to Carson Newman and, and was able to do that.
0: It, uh, Carson Newman was a major adjustment for me, not in the fact or not just because of the offense was going back from uh, spread to uh, a veer. Um, which they've been running since almost the 50s, reversion of it since the 50s, and just how you ran that offense as a, as a center. But just the, the mentality of the, of the school. Uh, Coach Sparks ran a very Christian-based program, and it was very team-oriented, whereas App was very highly competitive. Um, like I said, it was offense versus defense every day. Massive brawls up there. I mean, we'd <laughs> go at it. I mean, you go at it. I mean, it was just constant. You, you didn't really like each other. They didn't really get along with each other. Um, whereas coach sparks transition where he wanted to be more of a, a, a single team, a real team working together. And I had a hard time adjusting that my mindset at that point was very much us versus them. I didn't, I didn't, well, first coming out there it was hard for me to adjust to that. Uh, I think my first, my first day, my first spring day up there, I, uh, we did one-on-ones and I did pretty well on that. And we did, we called the victory drill and, um uh, the centers of the first part of that victory Jill. you have three different lines of people and uh you're trying to get a, a running back through the hole and uh i went against a, one of our uh well known defensive ends and uh, we went out for a little bit and he started uh talking a little trash and i started talking trash back and <laughs> i shoved him expecting you know this is like we dub it out we're gonna start fighting or or you know this is how we did things up there and then uh, there was a strange pause where nobody knew really what to do because they didn't <laughs> they weren't used to that and Right, uh, we're just kind of sitting there, and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna do this or not?" Uh, that's how we did it up at App, and um, you know, trying to adjust from that mentality, us versus them, to more of a team mindset, which, which took a little while as well.
1: But I, but I feel like that probably was a, a great development mm-hmm. there, especially like transitioning from from Coach Rankin, mm-hmm. then getting to App State, and then now you're with Coach Ken Sparks. That that well-rounded dynamic. Mm-hmm. That how much, how big of a trans like you talk about how it was a big transition, mm-hmm. but how looking back. How much did that just grow you as a player?
0: Uh, Coach Sparks, I mean, is, is obviously – everybody knows Coach Sparks being a very uh, Christian man, and he shaped me more as his meetings 90% of the time weren't about football. <laughs> it was about life and who you were going to be as a man and who were you going to be as a father, uh, who you going to be uh, in your day-to-day life in Christ. And uh, that's what his meetings were about. I mean, uh, most of the time we'd, be, we'd sit in our – and we'd have team meetings, and most time team meetings are maybe twenty, thirty minutes. Ours would be a solid hour and a half, and it would be a good, it would be a good sermon every single I was time. I going to say a sermon, <laughs> oh, every single time. Hey, um,
2: Derek, were you uh, were you there when Ken Sparks marvelous quick story about him? I had some uh, graduate studies over there, and I was in the cafeteria eating, and I observed him three different times. Just walk into the cafeteria, go up to a student he'd never even seen before, and sit down and have lunch with him. And he he just believed that you got to know different people and uh, you influenced them, Mm -hmm. but uh, wonderful wonderful thing that he did there. But were you there when he broke Bear Bryant's all time? uh, I was. Yeah. yeah, Awesome. Senior year. Yep. Man, you were really Um, blessed.
0: He was a he was a huge inspiration. Not the fact not only the fact that he would you know go out of his way to just help a random person, but just watching him go through the process of of dealing with cancer. I mean, I remember at one point he was doing these crazy experimental um, blood transfusion process where he had a spout in his neck that he couldn't come out to spring practice because it was too cold. But he'd come out and visit, and he would have a literal spout hang out of his neck that he would go to the hospital, get the old blood taken out, and new blood put in. And, I mean, he was fighting through that, and he he, he was killing him more or less, not not the cancer, but, but being off the field for so long
1: man I, I just i don't know what like uh, that, all the stories i hear that's the dynamic mm-hmm. is is coach sparks just he 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 was so ingrained and so mm-hmm. willing to develop and what have you he, he just he couldn't stay away but when when you got the app or when you got to carson newman uh started all 13 games mm-hmm. there at the 2013 season uh really a strong first season uh did you feel like you kind of stepped in and was was in a place where you could really really do your thing and kind of dominate?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, um, well, I mean, it was it was a bit of adjustment early on, um, adjusting to how we ran the offense, um, adjusting to um, the proper way to bear crawl, which is uh, adjusting from playing with one hand of the ball on the ground to playing with one hand on the ground, almost in all fours composition, kind of snap it that way and. And uh, it took a little while that first year trying to adjust to to different kinds of uh, defensive fronts and to properly get it uh, put in place. But near the end of the year, I was uh, I was basically accustomed to it and was having a blast.
3: Yeah, it's a totally different uh, technique uh, between a you know the the, the, the position of alignment in the veer uh, versus uh, the spread. You know, in the spread linemen are more upright. Uh, and uh, and then when you're playing the veer, you're doing a lot of cut blocking, a lot of down blocking, and you're you're down. Your nose is down. Your heads up. You got both hands on the ground at, at some point. In some cases, uh, or at least one hand, and you're really low because that's where the game's played. And uh, that is a big adjustment when you've been already transitioned to the spread. Absolutely. And, and then in your sophomore
1: season, you were able to clear the way for, for a Harlan Hill Trophy finalist, Andy Hibbett, mm-hmm. uh, to rush for almost 1,400 yards uh, and rank in the top five in Carson Newman history. So that's that's got to be a big achievement there.
0: mm mm-hmm. um- Andy was actually one of my one of my housemates for for a long time. Well, I lived in a house off campus with a group of uh, five or six different football players all of us together, and we split the rent between all of us. and Andy was a great guy. He played at Gibbs in high school was a, was a, pretty much a local um, uh, from Knox County, and uh, was a great inspiration as well. Just a general great guy, and um, not only with how he played, but just how he was as a person every day
2: i saw where uh, you guys it was nothing for you to crack 60 points in the game mm. offensively <laughs> yeah and i think uh four different times you had 600 yards of total offense man god just blessed you so much and then damian baker comes along mm. and uh he's another harlan hill trophy finalist I-, I just see kind of an environment i see a Rudy out there you're like oh that's the guy i played pool with at this house I see you really settling in and just enjoying it and relaxing, Derek.
0: I had a, I had a great time there. I mean, uh, well, even though, like I said, adjusting and trying to adjust from uh, us-first-in mentality to more routine mentality, uh, that was a hard adjustment, but I still kind of kept a lot of that uh, us-first-in me a bit because I feel like uh, that, that competitiveness breeds success. If you have a competitive – because I had a a roommate of mine, uh, Phelan Booker, uh, who played defense in. uh, Even though we lived together, at home we were best friends. On the field, though – Not so much. No. No. (laughs) Highly competitive. Uh, We ran a a mouse a lot, and uh, it only made us better as players.
1: I tell you, you, you know, we talk about what you were able to do in 2013 and 14, but 2015 kind of came came all to mm-hmm. a head. At that point, you you had led, uh, or you had led an offensive line that had a thousand yard rusher each of your seasons, and that didn't stop uh, there in 2015. As as the fina- the finale of your senior season, y'all rushed for 570 mm-hmm. yards, uh, yep. just a dynamic, a fifth highest single game tally in Carson Newman history. And then, uh, again, cracking 60 mm-hmm. points, what, three different times that season?
0: I think uh, that last game, the State, I think we scored almost every single way we had ever practiced. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in every way possible, and in ways I never, I never thought we'd ever score. Because it's not that we couldn't pass. It's just that uh, Coach Sparks preferred not to pass. So us passing period in game, let well, alone scoring off deep balls, was was almost unheard of after a little while. <laughs>
1: They're like, they don't do this. This yeah. wasn't on film. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, uh, we run out of everything that was on film. Well, I
0: mean, because <laughs> which looking back, it's not that we didn't have a great receiver. We had uh, Stephen Ison one of my teammates from high school. Um, oh yeah. And and Stephen was like six foot four. He had he had great hands. Cause basically he was a full head, head or shoulders over top of. Every other DB he was trying to get guarded by, and uh, it's just Coach Sparks preferred to just smash it down somebody's face compared to try to throw it over top.
2: Hey, Derek <laughs> Hela, what I was really impressed with was the three games where you got a perfect grade, mm-hmm. and uh, they tracked those uh, pancake blocks, the knockdowns, but mm-hmm. shorter college, Newberry, North Greenville. That that's just totally awesome. Uh, you had to be just attention to detail, perfection. Mm-hmm. How tough was that to get a perfect grade, though? Let's uh, see, I think it was an 80 or well, something. An 80, yeah. Coach turned it at an, an uh, 80 score. What did he look for in that you were able to really please him with there?
0: Well, or, early on, I would get knocks when I first came up there because my, my initial first steps out of my stance wouldn't be uh, 45 degree. I'd be stepping at – uh, twenty degrees or, or something like that and he would oh, get mad man. at me for that or, or my hip movement wouldn't be properly coming over my hand placement whenever I come up when wasn't proper. Uh come the cuts. I wasn't getting my head across fully across her knees, or across her ankles to get a full clean cut. Um, so a transition of that just and just over the course of the years perfecting that that spot and that uh that playstyle. By the time my senior year came I was lucky enough to play a couple different Um, games and against a couple different defenses who ran um, defensive fronts that for me uh, worked out very very well and and, um, it just ended up being uh, one of those games that I watched a lot of film beforehand I kind of knew how those defense linemen were going to step and how uh, they had adjusted in the past. Of course, every game doesn't go exactly or think it's going to go when you watch on film. A lot of times you go to a game, and you think they're going to step a certain way, and the first couple of plays you kind of have to adjust how you, you think they're going to move, and you kind of see how they've adjusted to you from watching film. And um, it's just, uh, you know, that's kind of just part of football period is the ability to adjust to one play after another.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely, and, and critiquing that craft went all the way through mm-hmm. your senior season. But it got capped off with a Remington Award and an All American selection. Mm-hmm. Big, uh, what, what uh, were were you on pace to be All American? And then how did that Remington Award, uh, how did that call come through?
0: Well, the uh, the All American part, you never really know. Um, I played with a lot of guys that. Like, uh, I'm not sure if Robbie Nani made it onto a uh, All-American team or not. He was, like I said before, one of the best guards I'd ever played next to, hands down. Um, so it's one of those things where uh, you'd never really know for sure if you could get on something like that. Um, the Ramsey Award was a, was a major surprise for me uh, because I, that's one of those things where I started out of the year and my main goal wasn't to get a certain award. It was just to play the best I could. And um, if I got anything from it, that was cool. If I didn't, that was cool as well. And it was just, uh, I remember sitting in my house and uh, getting the call from one of our uh, media reps up there and that told me I'd uh, gotten the award, and I just kind of hung up the phone and sat there for a moment, had to kind of really think about uh, what that really meant. Um, Because since Kevin Day got it before I got there, right in like two thousand twelve, I was like, "Ah, "They're not going to give somebody else from Carson and that award." Right. So more than likely, I'm not going to get it.
1: So so what was you? you were talking a little bit off the air. The the kind of there was a little irony there. So you're the Remington Award winner, which is best offensive lineman, but the sack maybe didn't think. Yeah. Uh,
0: The so there was I can't remember the guy's name now. There was a center at Lenore Ryan, uh, who Lenore Ryan runs a very similar offense than, than than what Carson runs. Um, and he had won the, the Jacobs Blocking Trophy, I think, at that point, three years in a row. Uh, he started all four years in college, was a great guy. Um, our senior year, I uh, I really thought I would have a chance to probably take it over because he'd been hurt, uh, at least half the year. I mean, he at one point, I think, had some sort of groin injury or a knee injury and was out almost half the year. I was like, well, I probably got a pretty good chance to get this year. And, uh, somehow, uh, he got it, and, um, which is good good friend. He was a great guy. I mean, I talked to him a couple of times after games. We kind of compared uh, our play styles and how we kind of ran the offense. He was a good guy. but uh, So, uh, going from not getting that to just randomly one day getting a phone call that I've gotten basically the highest award you can as a center oh, absolutely. Was, a, was a major surprise and honor. Derek,
2: did the, did the Jacobs Award guy also get All-American? Mm,
0: I'm not sure or not. Um, I can't remember now. Uh, I would like to believe he did because he, he he deserved it for sure. He, he was a great player and a great guy, uh, but I can't say for sure.
2: Well, I'll say this: you're you're the first guy I've met from Blunt County who's a All-American, All-Decade, First Team, and the uh, Remington Remington right mm. Award winner. That's uh, man. When you when you go to uh, reunions, uh, you guys you're gonna have so much to talk about. You need to keep all those friends, keep in touch, and be like uh, Dave Aruly and myself. And uh, 40 years yeah. later, you still want to be going, too. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: Absolutely. Yeah, at 6 a.m. That's, <coughs> the, that's yeah. the best time to <laughs> ham it up,
1: 6 a.m. Yeah. But, Derek, you, you had a great career in college, mm-hmm. great accolades. Like I said, multi-thousand-yard rushers, uh, Harlan Hill Trophy Finalist, and then you, of course, win the Remington All-American, and then like like Boone said, all-decade team mm-hmm. uh, of Carson Newman in the 2010s. What a what a career! But you know, it doesn't stop after college. Mm-hmm. You know, life mm-hmm. does move on. And again, we've talked to your dad, and he had a great career post post football, and you've you've continued in in mm-hmm. those lines as far as you're a successful police officer now mm-hmm. in Blunt County.
0: Yep, uh, like I said with Coach Sparks, he always talked about who you're going to be as a man. And uh, when I left, and, and me and my older brother just talked about me and Brock just talked about this the other day actually, we're texting. And uh, football leaves such a massive hole in your life when you're done because so I played it for 15 years from the time I was you know eight till I was 23, and I played for so long that um, I didn't really know what I was going to do afterwards. I didn't know what, what what I could find in my life that I was going to fulfill it the same way football did, and uh, end up finding law enforcement and. Um, Actually, uh, I'm working patrol right now because of, of COVID and school being out, but uh, hopefully come back soon and we'll go back to school and I'll be an SRO again. Uh, and uh, I work at Grove Middle School and I love it. I love it every day. I work uh, with a, a great group of staff members and a, a great group of kids that I feel like uh, I go out there and I can really mentor some of these kids and talk to them and uh, if not only about football, but just about you know, day-to-day life and who they are. and uh, uh and to me that's really started kind of filling that gap as well as you know my wife and my kids and Absolutely. and um, you gotta find those things in your life to try to fulfill it because a lot of times uh if you try to sit on football and, and the hole at left it, it uh it can kind of drag you down so You know, you gotta move on and and find some things that inspire you or inspire you the same way.
1: Well, that's that's awesome. But I'll I'll leave you Boone's tag number just so you've got (laughs) that on record because he's he's a speedy he's a speedy one. That hat's no joke. That's that's why he's so fast. But anyway, (laughs) but anyway, Derek, thank you for your service again. uh, SROs like my my little boys that. uh, at john severe mm-hmm. they've got a really good sro and and, and you know it, it means a lot because they'll see they'll see you guys probably out in in town and they're like hey there's mm-hmm. there's officer you know there's officer evans mm-hmm. so uh that is a, that's a cool dynamic and then again police force in all of yeah. my understanding of there is a brotherhood that oh, is yeah. there so uh, again it brings some of that back mm-hmm. but but again thank you for what you do for Blunt County. You had a great career and I just, I appreciate you giving us the time to kind of walk through it. But David, you got to be proud. You got to be proud of all your sons. But, but again, what Derek was able to do on the football field and then how he's, he's a great Blunt County uh, resident now.
3: Absolutely. And you know, it's, uh, it's one of the greatest blessings in life. And you know I've always said that, uh, you know, you can have big houses and lots of money and you know, super nice cars, but, but if, you, if, you, if you have children that don't add value to the community and to society, then you failed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't care how what else you do in your life. And uh, Kim and I have been absolutely blessed with uh, four sons that have exceeded any of our expectations right. and, and, and are, you know, making a difference day to day. And Derek has done that. He's got a hard job. Uh, you know, today it's a scary job. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I continuously get reports from the, the staff at uh, Union Grove. That's just what he means to the kids there. And that's more important to me a lot of times than any of his uh, uh, football accolades. Uh, yeah, you know, what my oldest son does at Pellissippi State, Brock, uh, you know, and, and, and then to my younger two sons, uh, Jake and Cade. Uh, Jake's down at Robbins Air Force Base now as a software engineer and then Cade graduates from Tennessee Tech next year. So it is just an absolute blessing, and I thank the Lord
2: for those blessings. Absolutely. Derek, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said one word, mentor mm-hmm. and a role model. Uh, you can ask a few questions and find some kids that are just so thirsty mm-hmm. for a person like you, take an interest in them, uh, cut up with them, build their confidence, and uh, – it's going to be just like the football field where you never took a playoff and you took pride in everything you did, and my hat's off to you, brother.
0: I appreciate that uh, and it, like i said it's a, it's a really fulfilling job. A lot of times I got close to a lot of my a lot of my kids and we are looking forward to come back to see how they have done this this uh, during the COVID break and the summer break and uh, I't know a lot of them I, I kind of worry about a lot of times they don't have somebody there to kind of try to guide them into a proper. Uh, future and uh, there, I got a lot of kids that will just kind of show up in my office and talk to me about hey I've got this going on at home or um, I, or can you give me advice on this or what do you think about that um, So, and I really miss that day to day but one of the main things I want to touch on real fast is just how important this man next to me has been uh, my father um, from the time I can remember not only in football but just in every way um, And teaching us who to be and how to be and our mentality in life and uh, uh, going above and beyond to provide to us a life that many people uh, could only wish or dream to have. And um, I wouldn't have been anywhere near as good a football player as I I turned out to be if it weren't for Dad. Dad, from the early on, shaped who I was as a player, Uh, not only through form but just um, through mentality.
1: David and Derek Evans. Blount County has has done them well, and, and they've done us better this morning. So, thank you guys for coming in. It's always fun talking, and we'll do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care. Be safe. And, yes, grind on. We'll see you Monday. Have a good weekend.